What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum. We are on to week two already. Giants 0-1, facing off against a 1-0 Chicago Bears team. Today's episode, we're going to be highlighting the full scouting report on the Chicago Bears. Everything you need to know about this team, the Giants will be facing off against on 1 o'clock on Sunday. This Bears team, like I've already said, 1-0 in the season, but it's worth noting they narrowly defeated the Detroit Lions 27-23 and almost lost after DeAndre Swift dropped a possibly lead-changing touchdown reception. Giants have a good opportunity here to possibly put themselves back at 1-1. Despite being 1-0, the Chicago Bears have some weaknesses that we can highlight today that should make the Giants coaching staff pretty optimistic going into this game. Chris, first person we have to talk about with this this Bears team is Mitch Trubisky. Not because he is an elite quarterback for this team, but if he plays well, this offense moves effectively like we saw in the fourth quarter against the Lions. But if he struggles, this offense likely is not going anywhere like he had happened to him in the first three quarters of this game. He is very key to the outcome of this game for both sides of, of, of this performance. Yeah, the as with every team, it starts and ends with the quarterback. And Trubisky is one of the most hot and cold quarterbacks in the NFL. When he is in rhythm, playing quickly, uh, not thinking too much, not overthinking things, he can be effective. If he's forced to slow down, if you force him to think... He can be horrible. And honestly, there's not a whole lot in between with him. And he's a guy that if he's provided very good protection and a balanced rushing attack, he can perform well enough for this team to win games like we saw in his second season when they made the playoffs. Last year, things didn't go so well. Their offensive line started to depreciate. They have lost a lot of guys, and this group is very, very weak. We're going to discuss that in their weaknesses this 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 offensive line might be very attackable when going against Trubisky because if if he doesn't have time to throw and and like you said if he's overthinking things and also if you ask him to throw to the left for some reason he is very very inconsistent inaccurate and makes a, a lot of mistakes it is a, a tale of two quarterbacks when it comes to Mitch Trubisky do you get the 2018 Trubisky or the 2019 Trubisky the one thing I will say though at the very least. You got to give him a little bit of credit. He does look improved from last season. He looked a little bit more calm and consistent towards the end of that game. And he is the big reason why they were able to win this past Sunday. 
But besides that, though, there were a lot of key little mistakes that you saw him making. One play, he almost had a pass picked off. He was easily uh, attacked by a not very talented Lions pass rush. Yeah, and that is the thing with Trubisky. If you can get after him, if you can get him flustered, make him feel pressure, even if you aren't getting to him, which the Lions didn't really get to Trubisky. They only got one sack on the day but you can still affect him. You can force him to either overthink things or make just bad decisions. And that's what the Giants are going to have to do with Trubisky because if he can get into that rhythm, like you said, he is improved over last year. I mean, in that fourth quarter, he went eight for 10 with 89 yards and three touchdowns. That, That is pretty impressive for less than 15 minutes of work. You almost wouldn't expect him to put that together and string that together if you watch the beginning part of the game for him. If, if he gets hot and rolling, he can be very effective and get the, th- get the job done for the Chicago Bears. The two guys he's getting the ball off to has developed into a pretty formidable two-sided attack. David Montgomery, uh, Montgomery and Tariq Cohen collectively, mostly them, but uh, the whole Bears rushing attack went over 100 yards on Sunday against against the Lions. They are a, a very good combo because Montgomery, a little bit bigger, still a very, very good receiver, more of the lead back. Conversely, Tariq Cohen is so tiny and compact at around five foot six. We are very familiar with Cohen over the past few years with the Giants playing the Bears, with Cohen completely gashing the Giants for big performances. He even threw a passing touchdown a couple of years ago uh, when the Giants played the Chicago Bears. These are both two guys that the Giants have to be prepared to face. Montgomery is good enough that if he gets the volume of touches, he could run the ball very effectively for good yardage of clips, uh, clip of yardage. And then also Tariq Cohen can pick up huge chunk yards if given enough space to do so. Yeah. And we really do have to look at them as a unit because neither one is likely to get the lion's share, no pun intended, uh, of the carries. This week, this past week, Montgomery had 13 carries. Cohen had seven. You know, that's pretty good split. And we could easily see that flipped, especially if the Bears decide to try to take advantage of the fact that the Giants' strength on defense is up the middle with their massive defensive line. You know, Maybe they want to try the smaller, quicker, faster Cohen to see if they can just outpace the Giants' defense. So we could see him get the larger volume of carries, but neither one is going to be getting 25 carries. Right. It's going to be an even mix for a total of 30 between the two of them, and then there's going to be a split. Cordero Patterson in the mix as well for receiving rushing touches for this Bears team. The key receiving option for Trubisky in this offense is Allen Robinson. He's been with the team for a few years now. He has been the definition of consistency at the receiver position. Not the fastest receiver, but he fits the bill of super consistent, good route runner, good hands. He makes a a lot of plays on the football, and he can pick up those first downs when you need him to. If Trubisky is on point and gets him the football, he will make that key play that you need. A a little bit similar, I would say, in style of play to Juju Smith-Schuster. Not the same type of usage, 
but bigger receiver, good hands, good route runner, and is going to pick up that yardage wherever you get him the ball uh, and you're trying to pick up that play. That he might not be the kind of dynamic, big play, electric threat that ESPN and the NFL Network love to put on highlight reels. But when you can be just consistent, strong hands, a guy who's always going to come down with the football, or at least has a really good chance of coming down with the football, that's an important piece to have in your offense, especially when you have a quarterback like Trubisky who isn't consistent. So if you can have at least one half of that combination be consistent, that at least gives defenses something to think about, a guy they have to scheme for. Robinson goes very underrated and, and under-talked about being a good receiver in this league. I think a lot of people forget last season he played almost a full year and had 1,147 receiving yards and seven touchdowns to go along with 98 receptions. That's a, that's a very good stat line with all of the quarterback woes that they dealt with in 2019. Robinson again, continues to be consistent when he's on the field and 100% healthy in his time with the Jaguars and now in his third season with the Chicago Bears. When we talk about strengths for this Bears team, Chris, we've already highlighted the two guys that lead the way. This ground attack for the Chicago Bears is not an easy one to slow down. You have David Montgomery, you have Tariq Cohen, a mix of different styles of running back. But if you add in some of the other pieces that they use, Cordell Patterson receives rushing touches. And on top of that, Mitchell Trubisky is also not a an, uh, a, a typical statue pocket passer. He's very mobile. He's, he's pretty quick for a quarterback, and he can pick up yardage by escaping the pocket. He had three rushes for decent gains this past game. So that is 100% something that you have to be worried about. It's not like last game when you have Ben Roethlisberger who escaped uh, the pocket and fumbled around, and it took him 10 seconds to get the, the nine yards that he picked up. He, we, Trubisky's actually a young athlete. If you give up that amount of space and you have nobody paying attention to him, he could rush for a 20-yard gain. Yeah, in that way, he's kind of similar to Daniel Jones, where if the defense gets their backs turned, if a hole opens up along the, along the line of scrimmage, he is always a threat to pull the ball down and just pick up yardage with his feet. You know, he doesn't have to distribute the football. I don't think anybody has ever really considered Ben Roethlisberger an athletic threat on his own. He's big, he's strong, he's tough to bring down. He is he is far from Lamar Jackson. You know, he is not a uh, <laughs> he he is not a running quarterback. Trubisky can be that. And that could be something where if the Giants are able to mount a pass rush, a consistent pass rush, that could be something the Bears look to to try to slow it down, to force them to maintain their gap integrity, honor their run fits, because you never know if Trubisky is going to take off. The other thing, and I already mentioned Cordell Patterson, he is very fast. He is an explosive athlete. He is primarily a receiver. But like I've already said, they, they get him rushing attempts. And when I was looking at the, the box score, I was assuming, oh, they were giving him some jet sweeps or uh, something that required some misdirection. I went back and watched the tape. He was literally lining up at halfback behind 
Trubisky, who was under center, they will put him back there. And that is another thing to worry about because not only is he fast and can pick up a huge amount of yards given a, a decent amount of space, but you have to pay attention to him coming out of the backfield as a receiver. He is a weapon, not a receiver for this team. He is a weapon that is added into the mix of talented playmakers on the, the, this, this, Bears, this Bears offense. Their top receiving weapons overall are are pretty good. They're underrated. We talked about Allen Robinson being very, very underrated. Anthony Miller, another guy that doesn't get talked about a lot, and he led the Bears last game in receiving yardage. He is another guy that is very underrated. And even though Jimmy Graham is not the same guy that he's been early on in his career, and we've seen a, a, a huge amount of regression from him, he is still a big body that can make plays in the red zone. If you throw him the ball in the end zone, he can probably make the catch and, and make a play in, in those situations. Yeah, he still has that basketball DNA to him where if you ask him to go up and rebound in the end zone, odds are he's going to outjump your defense and he is going to come down with that ball. He isn't the player he was before he had that bad knee injury, but he's still a player you have to be aware of, especially considering the history of struggles and issues and nightmare performances the Giants have had with tight ends. So the Bears used quite a bit of 12 personnel against the Lions. So the Giants should expect to see probably more of Anthony Miller and Jimmy Graham than they really want to see. If we're critically analyzing the receiving group for the Chicago Bears, you have to look at the top end weapons and then also the back end depth. If you take out of the equation all of those guys that we consider to be underrated and possible threats to have big performances where they're seriously lacking is backup receivers. So besides Robinson and Miller, and also you can put Cordell Patterson in the mix. There's nobody that really scares me for this Chicago uh, bears group. Javon Wims, Darnell Mooney, who's a rookie Riley Ridley. Not a lot of these guys are, very dynamic and can be a, an extra option on passing plays. There is nobody here who scares me out of this group. And I think that if you are effective in neutralizing some of these more talented guys, you could really, really slow down this bears offense. Yeah. And that is what the giants are going to have to do. I fully expect to see James Bradbury on Allen Robinson, basically all night long. He's just going to follow him all over the field and then that would give the Giants the flexibility to match up, play with their coverages, double team whoever the second receiver is, devote extra resources to the tight ends, maybe double team the running backs, especially if Tariq Cohen is in the backfield. Hopefully that you know, being able to take advantage of the Bears' lack of depth at the receiving position will give the Giants the ability to slow down the offense, keep them from getting into a rhythm. The most glaring weakness for this Bears offense has to be their offensive line. I spoke about and mentioned earlier how they have regressed. They've lost some of their more consistent veteran linemen. I'll keep it pretty simple. If Bobby Massey is your right tackle and Jermaine Effetti is your right guard, you have some serious problems on your offensive line. Their left tackle is Charles Leno Jr., who is not a name that I am entirely confident in. This group is very attackable. This is not like the battered Steelers offensive line that the Giants faced last week. They still had 
key veteran pieces. And the Giants were able to, to create a ton of penetration and pressure during that game. They were able to get in Ben Roethlisberger's face early on in the game, not as much towards the end of it, but they were able to create a lot of pressures throughout the game. If they can do what they did last week and attack this offensive line, use the same zone coverage concepts to confuse Trubisky, it could be a very productive first half of the game. You could get a couple sacks. You could force some turnovers because, as we've already mentioned, not only is this offensive line not very good, but Trubisky does not do well when he's pressured. He is not going to make a good play when he has a limited amount of time to make a decision. He is a guy that is very easy to disrupt if you put him in an adverse situation. Yeah, and I have... I have a sneaking suspicion we have not seen all of the wrinkles in Patrick Graham's defense. They are probably going to come out with some new things, and I hope they do. Because I I will say the one thing we did notice, and we talked about this in our tape breakdown show, when the Steelers were able to get into a rhythm, when they went up-tempo, went with a lot of quick passes, the Giants simplified their coverage schemes. They went with a lot of straight-up man coverage, and... Once the Steelers were able to identify that, they were able to attack that. Now, that just happens to be where Trubisky is at his best. And the fact that that is on tape right now, you know, I think we will see the Bears try to come out in that up-tempo, quick-passing game type offense. So hopefully the Giants won't let that dictate to them what kinds of coverages they play. If Matt Nagy takes anything away from last week's performance, he is going to be thinking, we need to get this thing moving fast because we cannot allow Trubisky to sit back there for multiple seconds and overthink things. They need to get the ball out of his hands quick if the Bears are going to move the ball effectively. So like you said, hopefully Graham comes with some type of a counter move if that starts to happen, unlike week one, where after the the Steelers countered, it felt like they were doing whatever they can to reestablish dominance, and they weren't able to do so after that that shift had already happened like we talked about on the last show. We're going to get on to the defense for the Chicago Bears. Before we do so, though, we're going to take a really short commercial break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chris, this defense for the Bears is a very interesting one to discuss because they have been a formidable unit. But in week one, they they didn't really look like the the team that we're familiar with because Khalil Mack has been dealing with some injury issues. Robert Quinn did not even play. 
And even though Mac is clear-cut the best player on this team and one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, he wasn't that productive. He did not look like the same guy, and you could very clearly tell something is wrong with him and that he is not 100% healthy because he didn't register a sack or a tackle for loss going up against Taylor Decker. Yeah, uh, Cleo Mack is dealing with a knee injury. That definitely has to put a question mark next to his name. When he's right, or even just close to right, he is a disruptive force on defense. He was a big reason why the Bears went to the playoffs a couple years ago. He has said he is not happy. He is not satisfied with the performance he had last year. He wants to play like that defensive player of the year candidate. We all know, and he know, he knows he can be. But for this game, it really depends on just where his knee is at. And it also depends on what happens with Robert Quinn. He suffered an ankle injury and missed last game, last week's game. Ankle injuries, they don't go away overnight. And they can be very limiting to an edge rusher because they have to be able to bend that corner. You know, Quinn is a longtime veteran. I believe he's a 10-year veteran, has good technique. He knows to, how to attack offensive tackles. So you have to be aware of him if he does play. You know, right now, we don't know. I've, I've been looking. I haven't seen any updates on either of them. But we have to, we have to at least come into this until we know otherwise, acting like the two of them are going to play. Yeah, if both of them are on the field, you have to be aware of both of them. If Quinn isn't on the field, you know, the next guy up is Barkevius Mingo, who former first round pick, not much of a not much of a threat there as a pass rusher. So you can kind of concentrate on Mac and take him out of the game. But if you have to split your attention, yeah, the math changes. This might be the only time we can ever say when the Giants are facing Khalil Mack that if you focus on him a lot, you can possibly take him out of the game because he is not playing at full strength. I know that is sound, I'm going to get quoted saying that that is a crazy thing to say, but a not healthy Khalil Mack, any good pass rusher who's not fully healthy with a lower body injury is not going to play the same as if they were fully healthy. You, your first step and your explosiveness is your advantage when you're a player like Khalil Mack and also Robert Quinn, who's do, dealing with a different type of lower body injury. If you can't explode out of your stance properly, that is a significant difference in style of play. A lot of these guys, a lot of these good pass rushers are good because of that first step and being able to come off the ball faster than anybody else. And if Khalil Mack can't do that, if he can't properly use his lower body to generate power that is a major major issue and the Giants need to attack that they need to divert attention towards stopping him and slowing him down and then handling all the other guys in the back end I'd be pretty confident in Andrew Thomas facing off against Barkevius Mingo Robert Quinn might give him a little bit of a harder time but from what we saw what he did with Bud Dupree he might have a pretty easy time with Mingo going up against him uh the the other thing that we have to be aware about with this this Bears defense is Akeem Hicks. He is very, very good in the interior. One of the more underrated players in the NFL as an interior defensive lineman. Not a guy that is 100% sack production as an interior tackle, but similar to what the Giants have with Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Tomlinson, he will create pressures and free up some other players because he is so big and he takes up a ton of space. So wherever he's lying up, if it's Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeidler, or Nick Gates, any of those guys that have to deal with him could have their hands full during this game. 
Yeah, and especially considering Kevin Zeitler didn't look like himself against the Steelers, and we both commented on how Nick Gates, he he showed some leverage issues. He got thrown around by the Steelers' interior defensive line. Akeem Hicks right now, I, I checked, he he's weighing in at about 350 pounds. That is a big dude. If you aren't able to drop anchor against a guy that big and that strong, he is going to create some problems on the interior of your line. And Hicks, even though he isn't a big sack guy, he did get the Bears' only sack against the Lions. I think the Giants are going to want to devote a double team to him wherever he is. Another final name that the Giants are going to be paying attention for is Roquan Smith, the young inside linebacker for the Bears who is a very talented will linebacker. He's very fast. He is on the smaller side at around six foot one. Not your your typical big thumping middle linebacker. He is speed. He moves very quickly, a little bit similar to how Devin Bush is built. A, a bigger version of him and a slightly slower version of Devin Bush. He can move sideline to sideline very quickly, has good range. If you give him the space to move, and you provide the blo- the um, the time in front of him from the interior defensive lineman, he can make a lot of tackles near the line of scrimmage. But I will say that if we're talking about Smith's bigger weakness and his biggest weakness from coming out of college out of Georgia, he does not handle blocks very well. So if you get a hat on a hat and you can block Roquan Smith, you can at least slow him down a little bit from making a ton of plays. Yeah, and that I think will be kind of key in the Giants run game is getting somebody up to that second level, being able to get a hat on a hat, not let Roquan Smith use his athleticism to beat you to a spot because that's where he's really at his best. Like you said, not stacking and shedding blockers, but beating blockers to the spot, getting to the play before the blocker can get there to really establish the block. And you know the Bears were watching Monday night's game, you know they saw how the Steelers were able to attack the Giants' offensive line and shoot through gaps, move guys backwards. Yeah, If that is happening, especially in the run game against Chicago, then the Giants are going to have a hard time getting that hat on Roquan Smith, and he'll be able to use his athleticism a lot like Devin Bush did. With those interior guys and also the Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn, That has to be the first main strength for this Bears team. Their pass rush, their defensive line, their ability to clog holes and limit space and yards gained from some interior rushing plays if they're running in the direction of Akeem Hicks or also from uh, creating plays with their pass rush with Khalil Mack if he plays well. And we've already touched upon this, how if, if Mack comes out fully healthy, he will be a problem. He will be productive going against Cam Fleming. He lines up against teams' right tackles, so it's another week where Cam Fleming has a very, very difficult matchup to deal with. But if if he's not fully healthy, he'll be a little bit slower. He probably won't be as productive. That key, key matchup that needs to be discussed here is Fleming versus Khalil Mack. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, fortunately for Fleming, like you said, Khalil Mack is not TJ Watt. He can be when he's healthy, but Mack is not healthy right now. Now, We don't know just how beat up that knee was. We don't know how much of a toll week one put on his knee. You know he's going to do everything he can to be as close to 100% as he can be for this game because that's just the kind of player that Khalil Mack is. Now, hopefully, 
he is still injured enough. You know, he's, he doesn't have that ridiculous explosiveness we have come to expect from his game that Fleming won't be caught flat-footed nearly as often. You also have to bring up with strengths, they're secondary. They have one of the best ball-hawking, turnover-creating safeties in the NFL with Eddie Jackson, and also Kyle Fuller, very, very good corner, and behind him, Buster Screen. Those three guys are playmakers. They're very, very good defensive backs, Eddie Jackson especially. If you think you might have a guy open, Eddie Jackson is the type of player that will find a way to make a play on the football. Daniel Jones threw two interceptions last week, one of them because of a freak play, the other one because of a dumb decision. If if Daniel Jones makes dumb decisions, Eddie Jackson is the type of player that will make them pay. It's a little bit similar to how we talked about Minka Fitzpatrick being able to make Daniel Jones pay for his mistakes. Fitzpatrick didn't end up picking off Daniel Jones, but the same level of concern has to be in Daniel Jones's head for this upcoming game. Yeah, Eddie Jackson is incredibly opportunistic. There was a play towards the end of the Bears game against the Lions where I believe it was Kyle Fuller broke up a pass and Eddie Jackson came down with the interception. Fuller is still a good cornerback. Buster Screen is still a good cornerback. We should probably also be aware of the Bears' second-round pick, Jalen Johnson out of Utah. You know, he is he has a has good size, good athleticism, and yeah, you know, he didn't get picked on like you would expect a rookie to. You know, he was in good coverage. He came up with I believe six tackles with a rookie. You, there isn't that tape on them, so you don't quite know what their tendencies will be, especially in a defense you've never really seen them in. So you have to at least be prepared for him to potentially make a play that Jackson can capitalize on. For transitioning to weaknesses, surprisingly, the biggest issue for this Bears team in week one, and this is going to sound pretty shocking to hear. Their run defense was terrible in week one. They allowed Adrian Peterson to have a productive day. And also DeAndre Swift had had some pretty good yardage as well. Uh, To give up a a good day to Adrian Peterson, who is well over the age of 30 playing the running back position, is not very good when you're supposed to be boasting a good run defense. They allowed the Lions to bully them on the ground. That is something that the Giants need to be paying attention to. They can't allow the same issues in week one to hinder them from running the ball. If the Lions were able to do well with Adrian Peterson, they should be able to do even better with Saquon Barkley. And I know that's a little bit crazy to throw out there right now, but it just has to be in their mindset coming into this game. Yeah, I think that will be an interesting storyline to follow with this game is which unit has the bounce back or perhaps the bigger bounce back the Giants are going to want to run the ball. That's that's just in their the DNA of the front office, the coaching staff. They want to run the ball. But they had a terrible night running the ball against the Steelers. But also the Bears, they want to stop the run. Their their pride had to be hurt by Adrian Peterson, you know, all-time freak running back that he is, you know, despite the fact that he is uh, approximately 70 years old by now he still had that huge game against them. So their run defense or their defensive front is going to want to have a bounce back game in run defense. So it it will be 
interesting to see a matchup between what was in week one a very resistible force against a very movable object and which one kind of corrects course or corrects course the most. The odd thing with the rushing numbers from last week, Adrian Peterson had 6.6 yards per carry going for 93 yards. But if you look at the other guys, carry on Johnson, 2.0 yards per carry, and then DeAndre Swift, 2.7. So depending on early success with Saquon, they could have a pretty good productive day like Adrian Peterson had, or things could get slowed down very quickly like we saw things happen against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The other thing that, that that goes in line with issues defending the run, it was noticeable last week that they gave up a lot of big passing plays on play-action passes. Now, that goes a little bit against what we talked about on the last show that we did, that these deep play-action passes might not work very well. Well, this week is an exception. The Bears got burned because they were really desperately trying to stop Adrian Peterson after allowing them to beat them, uh, him to beat them up early and often in the game. So they were trying to do whatever they could to stop him. That opened things up on play action. That is something the Giants should also be paying attention to if they're selling out to slow down Saquon Barkley. The Giants did make good use of play action in week one. They have gotten good at selling it. You know, they might not have been run blocking particularly well, but their offensive line was really good at selling the run block for play action. Given how the Steelers were really selling out to attack their offensive line, that created some pretty big voids for the Giants in the passing game off of play action. And I think we should expect to see the Bears try to attack the the Giants offensive line in that same manner, which will really make it so play action passes are going to be there. The Giants really just need to take advantage of that. Well, that is the full outline of everything you need to know about the Chicago Bears this weekend. Game is at 1 p.m. on CBS Eastern Time. Be sure to tune in for that. We will be providing our immediate reactions after the game and a full film breakdown as we do every single week. Thanks for tuning in with us, folks. Follow me on social media at Joe DeLeon. Follow Chris at RaptorMKII. And also follow Big Blue View at Big Blue View. Make sure you go to our website, also BigBlueView.com, to find more news and analysis on the New York Giants. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.